This podcast contains swear words. Hello and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast about art making, creativity, not giving up, and living well in the process. Although I'm coming from the perspective of a performing artist, the themes and issues discussed here apply to all of us. Whether you consider yourself an artist or not, life is a creative act. I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, a choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, and educator living on the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish peoples on the west coast of Canada. And before we kick off this episode 23, a gentle reminder to share this podcast. Word of mouth is excellent. It still really works, I swear. Rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a difference. And if it is within your means, a donation is always welcome. You can hit donate, upper right-hand corner at terrashyan.com, and we'll put that link in the show notes. The interview, the question and answer that you're about to hear was recorded back in the spring, back in late May. And we put it on hold because at that time I felt that it was really important to pause the white voices and focus on the female identifying non-binary artists of color, black artists and indigenous artists that I know and love. So if you haven't heard those episodes and there are more to come, Go back and and listen to some of the fantastic, inspiring conversations with those who are making art among us. I think you'll really enjoy them. Okay, so just setting up this question and answer, I'm calling it Q&A with the future. My dear friend dancer, choreographer, educator Kate Franklin and I sat down with three freshly graduated young artists. Sarah Hutton, who recently graduated from Modus Operandi, a great, great dance, intense training here in Vancouver. Hannah Myers, who recently graduated from theater at SFU, and Jacqueline Ritter, who recently graduated with a degree in dance from Simon Fraser University. And what a time to start one's career. Am I right? Hey, here you go. It's the middle of a pandemic. Fly, little bird. (laughs) We don't know what we're doing. Hopefully you can figure it out for us. Anyway, they ask Kate and I some great questions, and hopefully we give some insightful answers. At least they're honest. Everywhere from money to should you even have children, and some great recommendations for things to watch on Netflix. And one more time, if you have the means to donate, it really makes a difference. This podcast is made 100% pro bono. We are building towards trying to keep it sustainable and stay away from the yucky advertising. Although we do really enjoy making pitches for local businesses. So if that's you, please reach out. And this isn't an advertisement, but I'm just going to make a little plug for Moro 
which is a studio and boutique in Gastown here in lovely Vancouver, British Columbia, run by Zine Kwan. And it's not open right now because we're in lockdown, but you can go on Instagram here at Moro. They have such amazing, beautiful, beautiful things, all made by local artists. I have some great things. I have a little glass with a hand painting of Hannah Gatsby by my dear friend, Jessica Wadsworth. Many things. So great place to get some Christmas gifts to the season, a little Hanukkah present. I would like to welcome uh, my fabulous guests. I have multiple guests today. I have Sarah Hutton, who just graduated from Modus Operandi, professional dance training here in Vancouver. <laughs> Hannah Myers, who just graduated from theater at Simon Fraser University. university. <laughs> you tell I also went to university. <laughs> <laughs> and Jacqueline Ritter, who also just graduated from SFU, but in dance. And my um, co-host or co-answerer, although we're all going to try and answer the questions that are going to come at us, Kate Franklin, who is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And scene. No, Kate Franklin is the director of Modus Operandi, a professional dance training, and she's a professional dancer. She's a choreographer. She is an outside eye dance director, smarty pants, fitness guru, um, cooks really well, has great hair. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you all for doing this with me. So this is the first time um, I've done like a QA. and a And I wanted to kind of just create a bit of a format for all those questions that we have when we're just finishing school and about to launch our professional careers in performance. And I know that probably all of us have questions. Kate and I have been doing this for longer, so we might, we might have some answers. <laughs> so I know that each one of you, Sarah, Hannah, and Jacqueline, prepared some questions. So let's just, um, should we just kick it off? Hannah, yeah. do you want to start? Well, sure. And yeah, why not? (laughs) I I think this is a good place to start too, was one of my questions was just uh, sort of wondering what your two trajectories were from emerging artist to professional artist. I guess I'm just curious about what examples of those even look like. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Do you want to go? Yeah, sure. What happened with me was um, I went to a professional ballet school from age 14 to 19. I graduated in 1999. And then I started, I I started realizing that I, through an audition tour, (laughs) I auditioned for a few ballet companies in Canada, the U S and I actually got to take a short trip through Europe. Thank you, mom and dad, super privileged there. Um, I started realizing that I was not going to be hired by a company right away and certainly not a classical company. So I started to go through this sort of thing of, um, uh Oh, this is going to take longer than I thought (laughs) and I need more skills. So I, um, did a few apprenticeships. Ballet BC had something called the mentor program back then. Emily Mulner was still a dancer in the company. So was Wenwei. for those of you who know who they are and still Vincennes was still in the company. It was like a really awesome company. So I, did a, like a mentorship there, followed right after 
um, with an internship at Toronto Dance Theatre in Toronto, a contemporary company. And that's when, this is when I was really like, oh, I'm not even going into contemporary ballet. I'm going even further down the contemporary road. Like this is slowly dawning on me. <laughs> so that was kind of a process. So then I did my internship at Toronto Dance Theatre. It was great. I was like, okay, I am taking me a long time to figure out where I even want to be in dance. Now I found it. Now I need to kind of find some employment. I couldn't stay at TDT. They didn't want me to stay there, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, which is fine. Whatever, whatever. It's fine. Moved on. Um, and I stayed in Toronto because there were a lot of great stuff happening at that time. So this is now like 2002 or something. This is like a really cool community of young people at that time, young contemporary dance artists, independent contemporary dance artists who were just fired up. And I could feel that. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I started producing my own show called At the Wrecking Ball. And it was short works by independent contemporary choreographers, emerging contemporary choreographers and interdisciplinary collaborators. So we did programs of that. Um, I ended up getting hired finally by a couple of uh, contemporary companies, short term kind of independent life started for me. So like I worked for Keja to dance and I landed my first full length with, with a good friend of mine now, Matt Jeshmerzewski in 2004. That was like, that felt like a real, Ooh, I think this might be happening. Um, and kind of from there, I guess I created a commissioning company with my friend Kate Holden, um, where we would, we would apply for like a lot of like what felt to us like a lot of funding and commission like really amazing choreographers, like our dream choreographers to make work on us and we put these in full-length shows so it was kind of like off to the races at that point so that was like it took me a while and it took going down a whole bunch of different avenues like making my own stuff producing my stuff and other people's stuff commissioning choreographers and also being hired by people whatever and like putting that all together along with babysitting dog walking working at a restaurant sitting at the front desk of a yoga studio like all that stuff um, and then, yeah, like after 10 years in Toronto, I moved out here and that was eight years ago now. Wow. Eight years yeah. ago. Yeah. I work with a lot of great people out here. Um, Tara, one of them. I work for Tara Shan Performance. We're so lucky. Since 2014, <laughs> probably. Yeah, I think that was the first time. And then uh, like Justine A. Chambers and Nidan Cohen and now... I can add company 605, which was, uh, I've been gunning for that for seven years. And I finally got to work with them. And uh, Tiffany Tregarthen and David Raymond, I started teaching for modus operandi around 2013. And uh, they asked me to become associate director in uh, 2016. So I've been doing that. So, I mean, that, that that's a very brief Coles notes, Hannah. <laughs> thank you thank you shit that's it impressive kate that's well, impressive i don't know it didn't feel very impressive for it does and that's something to remember though that is something to remember it does not feel impressive when you're in it no it no it's only no. when i rattle it off that i'm like oh i know which is which i've been kind of telling people or advising i'm so full of good advice that i never take um <laughs> But like you catalog what you've like done, even if you're at the beginning, it's sometimes it's just like really good to like sit down and go like, well, I made this piece in grade four and then I made this piece in high school. And then I made like, and then you start like realizing what you've done and, or how many shows you've been in. And that 
I, th- I think it can really buoy the process yeah. because I know that for me, when I came out of university, I just started working right away for, you know, uh, Judith Gary, who was my professor at university. So that was kind of very lucky, um, very privileged that I had been in university and then danced with her. And then, so she was just starting her company. And, um, but I also like, there was just not a ton of jobs in dance, um, in Vancouver when I graduated, which was a long time ago. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, yeah, coffee shops and teaching ballet babies, which is perhaps the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh my God, the longest 45 minutes. Oh, when I finally, when I was able to stop teaching little kids dance, I've got to say, I felt like, okay, I have arrived. <laughs> oh my God. Even though I was like, then I taught like 13 yoga classes a week and, and that sort of thing for a long time. But um, w- one of my first kind of big gigs was I got a, it was like a friend, knew a friend and somebody had dropped out of a, a Green Thumb Theater for Young People show. And uh, they're like a fantastic young people's theater company here in Vancouver, tour everywhere. And so I just like, I kind of heard through the grapevine. So I was like, I was young and I didn't know, <laughs> like, I'm just going to phone. Okay. So I phone up and uh, Patrick McDonald, who was the artistic director at the time said, uh, so can you juggle? And I said, yeah. <laughs> I could not juggle. So I spent, I spent two and a half days in the park with three balls and I was kind of juggling by the time. But they also, they, the, the tour was booked and so they needed Franny the dancer and hey, enter Tara, Franny the dancer. So that was like a huge, just, I mean, just like you realize, you look back on these things and like, well, that was just a super happy accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I toured that show 400, performed it 400 times all over North America. Yes. I will say that that is like the best acting training. University was good. I did theater and I did dance. But performing for little kids all over the place, you're going to get some chops because those little fuckers are not (laughs) going to, they're not going to put it on for you. They're not going to go, oh, good for you. Good for you. No, they're going to be picking their noses and very honest Being in the front row, super honest mm-hmm. and two or three shows a day. You have to, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. pull it out. Oh. So that was good. And then, and then I, I came back from tour and in Vancouver at the time there was, yeah, there was not a lot of people hiring dancers at all. So I started collaborating and had been collaborating with my university friends. That was Radix theater. So that was Stephen O'Connell and Lucy Simic and Judd Martel and uh, Andrew Lawrenson and myself, like way back, um, just making shit up, performing it in like the abandoned garages, getting tetanus shots because we got cut up and we were so, oh, we were so badass um, and, and a little bit stupid sometimes. But I got to say though, in those days, it was so much cheaper to live in Vancouver. My rent was $250, yeah. wow. um, right? Yeah. So like we have to acknowledge that that's true. That that was super lucky time. So I was able to work a little shit coffee shop job, pay my rent and then and then collaborate with all my friends. That's a really good point. 
my my rent was 350 during those early years in Toronto for a two bedroom basement because it was through a family friend. But yeah, so like yeah, very important to acknowledge that. Yeah, I, exactly. I I and it, it's not it's not so popular, but I do say when I teach, you you do have to look at you know the the big stars of you know TV or theater or dance and. You just have to be aware of what kind of privilege or, um, yeah, whatever kind of legs up happen. And, you know, I definitely have had some great uh, privileges in terms of my career, in terms of like, you know, TV and stuff, because I work with a lot of actors. And, you know, did you have parents to pay your way while you auditioned? every single day for three years till you finally got that gig. Mm -hmm. So it's just good to keep in mind. And like Kate was saying too, like, just like, how can you make your own projects? Mm -hmm. You know, what are, I don't know, what are all the ways, who can you collaborate with Mm -hmm. to find your way? I mean, I definitely, I look at my career and think it's like really piecemeal. (laughs) It's like doing theater over here. And then I'm working with choreographer. So I was dancing for lots of people. I too started uh, Royal Winnipeg, little bunhead, but was always like, you know, doing theater at, at ballet school. I, for the talent show, I put on green mascara and green eyeliner, <laughs> like you do. I wrapped myself in a bed sheet and I did a soliloquy from Romeo and Juliet. Nice. And I didn't understand why the other little girls didn't think that was like super rad. <laughs> what do you mean? This is good. <laughs> but they were all in tutus, so that was a that was a learning experience. Um, yeah, and and so back and forth. The first, in terms of choreographing for theater, which is one of the things I do or did oh. pre COVID. Oh, someday we'll be back in the theater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was like uh, fresh out of university, I was choreographing this play for like no money for a fringe show. Mm. And I told every actor who was in that fringe show, if you ever need choreography, call me. And, and a few of them did. And that led to starting to do that. I didn't really know what I was doing, but you know, <laughs> I had, you know, I had dance and theater experience. So I just, um, I didn't know. I didn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I, can I add one thing? Please. Like, it's, it's interesting. We, just kind of going back to the comment of like, you know, this looking at the super successful and thinking that they may have been helped and they probably have been a lot, but on the flip side, um, I think there's something that I've seen in people that is really powerful when they don't have as many resources mm-hmm. and they, um, the stakes are very high for them uh, to succeed. (laughs) And there's like a powerful drive and motivator there where I've I've just seen it light a fire under people, I guess. And so I I think success can also come out of having to really make it happen for oneself. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. There's nothing like that, that fire or thinking like, oh shit, I might not be able to do this. Yeah. And How do I, I make it happen? If I don't do it, I don't really have much of a cushion. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So just to offer another perspective. Yeah. That's really that good. Happen. Indeed. Okay. Should we have another question? 
Yeah. Let's have another question. Sarah, do you have another question? Yeah. I guess this kind of has to do with what we're already talking about in terms of knowing what you're doing or not knowing what you're doing. And I'm curious about when you two have made things or produced things, when you've learned on the job and when you've actually taken it upon yourself to be like, no, I need, I need to take a course. I need to pay someone to teach me how to do this. I need to learn ahead of time. And, and when you made that choice, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, to reference my juggling story, <laughs> yes. um, I, I have kind of been like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've mostly been like that. I've also felt like in terms of like fire under the butt, like I don't have time, mm-hmm. you know, all the way along. Um, it's like, do I need to go back to school? Do I need to like get some better skills? Um, and because I felt this like, kind of like, you know, just like running to keep up, I think I've kind of always felt like that. I felt like I'm going to learn on the job. I'm going to figure this out. And I have some great mentors mm-hmm. who I've been really lucky to lean on, like Denise Clark, One Yellow Rabbit in Calgary. She's received many of my phone calls. Um, like, I just got this gig. I don't know how to do blah, blah, blah. And she's like, talked me down and like, wait, maybe, maybe you actually do have some skills and, and maybe it's okay that you don't have this exactly, but you have all these other things. So she's given me a lot of great perspective. My other mentor, um, Nigel Charnick, tragically passed away in 2012, but he was also, um, he was really great at like, just pull it out of your ass. Um, <laughs> as a kind of a philosophy, but in that there is something great about realizing what you don't know. And that is a great motivator for um, trying to figure things out really quickly. And also uh, finding network that most of the jobs, most of the things I've created, no, all of them, I've not done it alone. So I've had like lots of other collaborators. And so, you know, between all of these brains and creative impulses you figure out and you learn so much just from working with people. Yeah. Kate. Mm -hmm, Same. I have always done things before I felt ready to do them. Um, and that's just because I needed money, (laughs) 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 especially in the case of when I started teaching, I felt very out of my element and I still do sometimes, but Back in the day, I needed money. Now I have the serious passion for it because I found my students, like the age group and the commitment level and the kind of people I I want to work with. So now it's passion. It's not really money anymore. Um, That is nice. But I think when you, like Tara was saying, when you do start something before you're ready, um, then you do need to find help along the way. So the first time I produced a show, I relied really heavily on this woman named Bridget Cothry, and she was a Toronto Dance Theatre company manager at the time. And she offered to help me try to figure out how to produce my own show. So I would go running up to her office almost daily, asking her something about how to write a press release. Or like she even gave me the Toronto Dance Theatre press list with names highlighted that might be interested in my show. (laughs) And she would help me. I was like, how do I get flyers printed and she would give me the name of a cheap flyer place. Like I asked her for everything and she, she offered, she had offered to do that. And like in terms of teaching, when I, when I started to get 
teaching more seriously and like started to get hired to teach professionals a lot. I still didn't feel ready. So I would have a lot of conversations with my friend, Mark Boivin in Montreal, who's, I think he's a masterful contemporary dance teacher. So we would talk a lot and that really helped me. And even now, like when I take on a new thing that I'm not ready to do. So the last one, Sarah was show club. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, So this is a new thing as we decided to experiment in the modus remote programming with this thing called show club. And I was going to be responsible for it. And I really wanted to, although I felt very out of my depth where I would assign a contemporary dance show that we would all watch. And then we would gather together and try to talk about it. And that I felt very, uh, very nervous about that and still do. And I still don't know what I'm doing with it, <laughs> even though there've been five, I've done five of them so far. And I, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm figuring it out and we're figuring it out together. And I asked all my friends, all of my dance friends who I, I admire, like, what shows do you think I should put in front of the students? Please give me links to free shows. Like, I, I don't do this by myself. I do not do this by myself. It's too hard. I always ask my friends to help me. And period. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) And then like with all my, you'll see, like I'm a collaborator too. Like I just really am. Like I'm always in a long-term relationship. I've had two of them in my life since age uh, 17. I've been in like serious partnerships. I like to bounce things off of people. And all my collectives always had another person in them. Never done anything alone. My friend Tina helped me with At the Wrecking Ball. We, we were co-producers together. My friend Kate, we did our thing together. Even like I, I did this community dance project for a while and that was with my friend Meredith. So I had like, I don't know, I'm just into doing this with other people and that's kind of me. And it really helped. It, it really, really helps me when I feel like I'm not ready to handle something, but I still really want to do it. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's funny because... You like just going back to show club in modus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because you have this approach where you're not claiming to be an expert, but you're also not apologizing for like not knowing what you're doing. And it's, and that's, I think there's kind of a fine line because sometimes when I'm up against things that I know I don't have experience in, sometimes I feel like I have to pick between pretending to be good yeah. at this thing or just be like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Exclaimer. Yeah. So it's nice to see your approach of kind of like this oddest approach. Yeah, I think, and I think like, there's also like, I mean, I've had to be, I have to also be careful, careful with that because, because I am a female person and we do tend to, I think, and I've read studies where we, (laughs) we give our, we actually give ourselves less credit or like, we don't feel qualified to do the things that we're actually qualified to do. So I also try to walk that line of like, I am learning. I will be learning till the day I die. You know, when I start out something, I know it's not as good as what it's going to be in five years because I'm at the beginning of learning, but it's like, okay, yeah. How do I, how can I, yeah, both Sarah, how can I be like, you know, I know some things and I don't know everything. Like both of those Mm -hmm. are true. I mean, that's, that's what makes you fantastic to work with Kate because, and, and I can think of like the people I have loved, loved, loved collaborating with are the people that are like, yeah, shit, I kind of don't know what I'm doing, but Hey, (laughs) um, I have some ideas. Should we just, what do you, yeah, let's do it. And also being able, I think that's a really good point about those of us who are female identifying in that, um, 
I, I feel like I have to be given like a, a, a special badge or something, yeah. like a fucking brownie, which I never was. <laughs> I was at ballet lessons and all that. I was like, can I be a brownie? My mom was like, you don't want to be a brownie. <laughs> um, waiting for the permission to go be blah, blah, or say blah, blah. Um, and it's never going to happen. You're the only one who's going to be able to go, yeah, I think I can probably do a fairly good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it won't, you, and I'm not perfect, but I, I will do it. And I will work hard. <laughs> exactly. And you'll be curious. I mean, that's the yeah. thing too. You'll be like, wow, how can I figure this out? Yes. As opposed to, I just totally know what I'm doing and I'm just, yeah. gonna, I'm going to be a dick about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> how boring is it to know exactly what you're doing? Oof. Super boring. boring. Totally boring. Super boring. What do I know how to do perfectly? Uh, Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And certainly not freaking sourdough and all that bullshit right now. Yeah. And thank God, you know, like, thank goodness. Like, uh, you know, I am uh, an imperfect person. It's more exciting that way. You're pretty close to perfect. Though, oh Kate. my God. You're, you are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, yeah, anyway, we can, we can, I can tell you stories. Kids. <laughs> um, okay. Jackie, give us a question. Okay. Um, so kind of along the lines that we've been talking about, I'm wondering how you guys deal with the little critical mean voice in your head and do you oh. have any strategies for dealing with imposter syndrome? <laughs> right. Oh, Sarah. <laughs> To tell you the truth, I make work about it. Certainly the last few pieces. I think that, um, first of all, it's important to recognize that I don't know anybody who doesn't have imposter syndrome or debilitating, critical, nasty little voices that come up and try and sabotage you. I recently was talking to a, a good friend who was offering that those critical mean, mean voices. <laughs> we all have a version, right? Of the little mean voice is trying to protect you. That little voice thinks mm-hmm. it's your hero. And I found that to be super smart and also kind of transformative. If you can kind of go, okay, huh, you're trying to save me from possible disaster or embarrassment. Hmm that maybe reframing it and going like, you know what? Thank you for your input. Mm. I hear you. I know you're scared, but I got it. I got this. Now, of course, that little voice is going to keep coming and going like, now do you need me? How about now? This looks dangerous. This looks terrible. You can fail this. You're going to fail. You're going to suck at this. (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you. I will. I will call you when I need you. I thought that was useful. It's really cool. Um, I just encountered this the other night, so I'm fresh with this. I, um, so much of my work now is cheerleading other people, i.e. my students to continue, keep going. Do not expect that their work is going to be brilliant the first time they try it. Um, so much is uh, of of my job is to motivate and uh, tell people to get rid of that voice, like move past that voice. Um, but then I was in the studio on Friday night. I was in Gold Saucer by myself and s- lots of sanitization practices in place, by the way. So I felt safe. I just had 
made a little series of movement. It was a minute long. It took about two hours. It was kind of a slow night. And I was trying to get out of there so that I could go home and eat dinner and watch the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race. But every run I, I felt was a disaster. And it was a run of one minute of material and it was a disaster. And I was trying to film it. And it was going horrible. Like I, I felt it was going horribly, horribly wrong. Run after run after. I don't know. I don't even know how many times I tried to run this thing. And then, then I would try to work on it, run again. It was like almost comedic by the end. I packed up my camera and everything. And I was like, okay, just take it out and do one more. And I did. And it wasn't perfect, but I packed it all up, went home. And um, I had this feeling just because I know this now. I had a feeling that if I watched it the next morning, it wouldn't be that bad. And that's exactly what happened. I woke up, I clicked photos, I watched that, that little thing, and it was, I looked fine. Like, it wasn't the devastating, you should quit now thing that I thought it was. Like, I really did. I was like, what are you doing with your life? It's time to retire. Like, I was really like spiraling down, 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 down. So I think, honestly, Jacqueline, the best thing to do is to expect it. Expect that this will happen. Do not get caught off guard when it does. Accept it as part of your process. And also see through it. Like, it's not real. And it must not prevent you from continuing. Because continuing is the thing that will actually make you better and if, it, if that voice stops you in your tracks, then, you, then it's not working. Like, I think we're always trying to balance different things. Like, like our critical eye and our like looking at ourselves on video and being like, I need to fix that. That is ultimately a good thing if it's in the correct dose. And like, it has to be balanced with empathy for oneself and acceptance of where one is at and um, being our own cheerleader because not many people are going to actually do that for us. And so I think like that little critical voice is great, but only to a point. And if it's, if it stops you or if it prevents you from working, that's when you have to be like, there was this woman in Toronto, her name's Viv Moore. She's still working in Toronto, actually. She's like an older dance artist. And she, I remember attending one of these talks in person when I was at your stage, the three of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, I remember her saying, she has a British accent, which I won't do. She said, <laughs> she said, tell your gremlin to fuck off. She called it her gremlin. And I remembered that. I wrote it down. And I'm like, I know that's important. I, I know that's important. Th this shit will stop you before you've started. And that's not good. That's so good, Kate. That's so smart. I think like what you're saying too is like, start to collect your strategies. Like what are some yeah. strategies? Is it like tell the gremlin to fuck off? Is it like, do you have to like placate it and say, no, no, this is fine. Right. Do you have to like, you know, do the things I do a thing in the studio where I set timers and I just like, like, no, I'm going to dance for this long. I'm waiting for the timer. So you cannot talk to me right now. Bad little asshole voice. Mm -hmm. Um, those kind of things like phone a friend. I know that it, when it starts bubbling up, like, there are certain people that I can call and just like, okay, just, just tell me that this is not going to ruin my career. I will offer that many, many times I thought I was doing something that would ruin my career. It didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was okay. 
most yeah. of the time nobody noticed. Um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I would be like just twisting in the wind, like, oh my God, this is, this will be like in flames. Nobody noticed. Some of, some of the things you do are going to be like, wow, that was really good. And some of them are going to be like, well, that's okay. And they're, yeah. that's all important. I'm reading Twilight Tharp's latest book, Keep It Moving, mm. which is quite good. It's, it's talking about like, you know, the over 40 artist person. Um, what? You're over 40? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's surprised. <laughs> I just thought I'd put that in there just in case you were thinking it. Uh, <laughs> um, but she, she talks about like, you know, we do things that are bridges to works or performances or whatever that are really super highlights in our lives. And we're probably not going to have like dozens and dozens and dozens of those super highlights, but we're going to have lots of bridges of, of work. And, um, I, I felt like that's a good strategy for keeping that, you know, super critical, very kind of, uh, paralyzing voice mm-hmm. at bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also this thing that I read that helps me. This is like creation and critique happen in different parts of the brain. I'm not sure if that's true. You can't critique Let's say while it, you're that's trying true. to, yeah, it seems true, right? Totally. Like create first, maybe then critique, then go back in. But if you're critiquing yourself before there's even something done, like Uh -uh. it won't work. And so those are two different activities. Oh, there's also that, I think it's the Margaret Mead quote. I don't know, but it's like, you wouldn't care so much about what people, other people thought of you if you realized how seldom they do. (laughs) That that one is so good. Yeah. That one is so good. They're too busy (laughs) with their own problems. If it's an other people thing, if, if your voice is sort of, if your inner critic is taking the, point of view of like a person you care about or somebody, you know, like if it, if it becomes an other person kind of thing, they're rarely as hard on you as you are on yourself anyway. And they don't even, they don't even notice half the time. Like, like you said, Sarah. it's true. And I think another thing about it, like if we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, which was the other part of your question, I think, I think again, I think as, as a female, as a, a person who is female, who is like, yeah, approaching 40 and in this community and um, leading by example, I think um, the sooner you can get rid of that, the better. It's just, it's just too boring to, to not feel like you deserve to be where you are. Like you are somewhere feeling like an imposter for no reason, because guess what? Like you're there, like you are somewhere, feel it, land, arrive, like you're doing it. There's no time to feel like I shouldn't be here. Like I'm the wrong person. No, like be where you are. You, you were put there. Yeah. That's so good. That's so or good. Or you put Kate. yourself there. You put yourself there. <laughs> With all this work and, you know, like, and, um, giving yourself credit for everything. Yeah. That's brought you to where you are. Definitely. And all, and all the people too, like, you know, they're part of it too. So take your you know. space, deserve, deserve what you have. Like just d- decide that you deserve what you have. Nice. Yeah. Right. Hannah, do you have another question? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, sort of going along with um, like not apologizing for like the work that you're making or things like that uh, or taking yourself seriously. How do you, do you have advice on knowing or reconciling like how much you get paid as an artist with like how much 
you are worth as an artist or your work is worth as an artist. And especially in emerging stages when you're going to be doing a lot for free or so little. What a great question. That's a really good one. I was given this advice um, quite a few years ago and I don't know the, I used to know the origin, but I've heard it from a few different people. So when you're offered an opportunity or there is an opportunity, um, if you can, and this, you know, there's, there's, you know, some money making or not making, you know, privilege, what you need that goes along with this, of course, is a gig is if it's fun, if there's prestige involved, which is like, is it going to build you some connections? Is it fun? Did I say fun already? Yes. (laughs) And is it fun? So, no. <laughs> Clearly, you know what I think is most important. <laughs> uh, is it fun? Are there connections? Money. So those three things. If you have one of those, it's probably good if you can do it. If you have two, oh, that's amazing. Right. Once in a while, you have all three. It'll be fun. You'll be making some money and you'll be making some good connections. Um, that I kind of keep in my back pocket and just being aware of like, there's sometimes you're like this, uh, I'm, I'm going to do it for the money. You know, I'm going to audition for this dumbass commercial because if I get it, it'll pay my rent for two years, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Kate. Yeah. I think this is something that I have, uh, that I used to struggle with. Now I don't really. I honestly think the answer to this is that every artist needs to um, feel comfortable with the amount of money they're being paid for whatever the gig is. And I think that's actually, that's really personal. Um, And so uh, I think I used to be more of a fighter for like standards. And I I think Kata's... um, um, professional standards for dance document is helpful. And we have that in the dance community. Um, uh, there is going to be something in the theater community. Um, yeah, yeah Canadian well, actors. Like equity. Equity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is way more enforced, right? You're a member and then you can only do yeah. equity gigs and all that stuff, right? More or less. I mean, they're, 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 they're more flexible than they used to be. And there's, oh, okay. There's, yeah. you know, there's co-ops and there's, you know, okay. shop fees and stuff like that. So there, there is a breadth with Okay. It. I just heard some like horror stories back in the day of like people who were belong to equity, but then they wanted to do this dance gig and then they got like torn out of the gig. And anyway, whatever. I'm not, I don't know how it works. Dance. Yeah. It's better. It's better now. Cause now equity acknowledges the difference, um, between like a theater gig and a dance gig and weeks cool. and all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. So although I think professional standards for dancer that's a great document to refer to is great for people to put um, a high fee into their grant applications. Um, and so that they can try to pay their dancers well. Um, however, here's the thing that I've come to at this advanced age. There are some things that I'd rather see done than not done. So example, I, it's important to me to work for emerging choreographers still, even though I'm older, because I think they are the future of my art form and they don't always have money. And so some of those projects that they're doing, 
I'd rather do them than have them not ever be done. If that makes sense. And I want to do them. Like I want to be involved. And if there's no cash, I'm in the position now where I am not relying on that so much for survival. Okay. That was long winded, but I do think that the value of a gig can come from somewhere other than money. And this can be, this is, this might be a very unpopular opinion in some circles, but in my career, I've, I have, it's not like I, it's not at all. Like I started making zero money and it like gradually, gradually, gradually went up. Like the fees that I'm paid are all over the place. So, and, um, like all over the place, like I'll work for that person for this amount, that person for that amount, that person for nothing. Cause I know they don't have anything. And that person for like a lot. Cause I know they have a lot, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think the thing is, is just to keep your eye on your heart. And if you feel that the work you're doing is like, if it's becoming too much and if you're feeling resentment, then you need to have a conversation or you need to stop working for that person or something like those feelings are real. Like I'm not saying like, do you know, like just do everything and run yourself ragged and don't take care of yourself and do all the jobs. Like I'm not saying that at all. Just like keep your eye on your heart and are you still happy with the arrangement? And if not, you need to change it. And I don't think it's about like a dollar amount. Yeah, I think that's a, such a super good point, Kate, because I'm, um, you know, when I think about like, I've been doing this for a long time. And just like you, like some things I do for free mm-hmm. and some things I, I get paid really well now. Totally. And it is all over the map. And it's those things, like, because there are some things like, oh no, I'm just like totally going to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think like one of the things uh, that I think is important, a red flag. Okay, here we go. A red flag, I think, is if you're talking to somebody who does not want to talk about money. If they want you to do a job, but yeah. it's like hemi and high and not a minute. I feel like that, in my experience, has always been a red flag. And if you can maybe like say, well, can we just, you know, can we just put it on the table? Is it, you know, is it this much or is it this much? so that I can make plans. Um, if you can mm-hmm. do that, if you, right. I think that can make things feel so much more comfortable. It's a, you know, a level of honesty. And I'll also, to be perfectly honest, how many times, Kate, have I phoned you when I've been offered a gig? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel a little, uh, it's this, what do I do? I and think only once. I think only once. I think it's been more than once, but, <laughs> but I just I have memories of sitting on a park bench talking to Kate yeah. and Kate going, well, how do you feel in your heart? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's important how you feel in your heart. Do you feel excited in your heart? Do you feel trepidation already? Like, here's the thing, clarity. Yeah, I do think it's really important. Somebody just asked me, somebody called me today and asked for advice about, um, you know, whether it was a choreographer and they were like, is it acceptable for me to say, please arrive warmed up to dancers? Because he, like, this person didn't feel they had the budget to provide a warm up hour. And I said, honestly, honestly, if it's clear from the outset, then I know what I'm saying yes to. And I can make my plans and my budget. And like, that's, I, when I, when I hire people, I want to put money in the first email that I send to them. Like the Mm -hmm. very first one. That's not often how it's done. No, you're rare. You're rare, Kate. 
but I want to be like, listen, not just like, Hey, would you want to do this thing? I'd be like, this is what I would pay you if you would come with me and do this thing. Like I want, I want it to be clear from the beginning. And yeah, like, I think, I think it doesn't matter what number it is or what the circumstances are. It's like, are you providing all the details and do you know all the details? And if not ask some questions, I think you can be okay in your heart. Yeah. That's really nice to hear also that it, Obviously, of course, it can't just have a slow incline steadily to nope. increase at, with, with your experience or whatever. So that's reassuring yeah. because I feel like there's also, I don't know if this actually exists or is it, it's one of my gremlins, but like in applications or things like that, if I'm supposed to ask for a certain amount of money to prove that I have experience mm. or that I, that I am something, I don't know. Mm. So. I'm just always thinking in applications, mm. like what I've always been taught is like in applications, like for funding and stuff, put your dream amount. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. You won't, like we won't you get it all anyway. Like to pay yourself and pay everybody. And yeah, because most of the time you don't get what you ask for. That's what I was always told. Yeah, definitely. Put, put, your, put like a really good amount and then you'll scale it back later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like I always do like for budgets, bare, 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 bare bones. Mm-hmm. And then I do, what would this look like if we had like money for warm up time and mm-hmm. this and, you know, costumes and all that stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that stuff. Like it's, you know, Ooh, fancy. Um, <laughs> it feels fancy. It still feels fancy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about like putting something down. So you prove you're serious. I, I'm I don't know about that. Like, I think, I guess, to be more specific, I guess that's coming from, I attended a sort of like a how to pitch session. Okay. And there was talk, there was examples shown of the pitches and they were saying like, oh, there, I know that this person has credibility because they mentioned this one person or I know they have credibility because they listed this or like things like that. So mm. I guess this, this idea that these um, the people who look at funding or who decide funding are looking for some sort of credibility that 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 seemed like a distinct concept for me. Mm. That's yeah, interesting. for I think grant applications and juries are looking for is this person likely to carry through with this? Is this likely to mm. you know come to fruition? But you can demonstrate that in lots of different ways. It doesn't necessarily have to just be like with money or it can be with like, I have this tentative letter from this theater that's interested or this festival. I have letters from people who've worked with me before and know that I, you know, I am really reliable and, uh, um, yeah. So you, you can think about different, different ways. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like, yeah, I would almost be careful of like, if I would think if I were on a jury and I saw somebody's first attempt at choreography and it was like a, a huge, huge, massive budget and a very ambitious scope. Maybe that might be a little, right. I may be like, can they do that yet? Mm-hmm. Like as Tara yeah. said, like, yeah, looking for, does, does the proposal match what you think this individual is capable of like following through it? Does this fit with um, where they're at kind of thing? I think would be more the thing that I would think about. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Thank okay, you. Sarah, do you have a question? I do. Okay, so on the topic of being a parent and an independent artist, I guess I'm curious 
what resources helped you? I guess I'm specifically asking here. And what resources do you wish were out there? Mm -hmm. And maybe like what gifts have come, like maybe how, how has your practice changed in good ways and maybe in ways, other ways? You can take it however you want. As someone who's like, when I try to picture my career and my life, I get anxiety about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious, I'm just like curious to hear your experience and. Oh, yeah. good. Um, Sorry, it's a big can of worms, I feel like. But. No, you know what? This is something that I'm really like, I feel quite passionate about um, because I feel like when I finally, like <laughs> we waited to have a child, my partner and I, we were like, oh no, look at the time. <laughs> we better, <laughs> we better do that. Um, and uh, so that was like, that was one of the realities uh, was, I know some people who didn't wait, uh, who had children earlier. Um, I was 38. Um, I will say my mom and my stepdad lived in Vancouver at the time. And that was huge Mm -hmm. because my partner is a composer. As you know, I make shit up for a living. Um, (laughs) So our income was not like, we couldn't hire babysitters really, except for, well, we hired dancers. (laughs) And very early on, my child decided he only wanted to be babysat by dancers. And if we had somebody else, he would be like, okay, who's this? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's really important. We had the luxury of having like free childcare. So I would be in rehearsal and either uh, my partner, Mark, or my mom would be in the hallway walking up and down with my baby and then come in and like, I'd be like working with baby on my boob. I think now, because there's many more of us now that have kids, I was one of, I think Crystal had her son six months or maybe a year before Jasper was born. Andrea Hodge had had, so, you know, she was Ballet BC, but she had retired from Ballet BC. There was just not a lot of people, certainly not performing. And I remember when I was pregnant, a lot of people were asking me, well, so are you just going to choreograph now? And I was like, what? No. Um, don't even get me started about the phrase when you get your body back, like you've taken it to the dry cleaner, um, which I still, I still have not got my pre-baby body back actually. God, where is that? Um, so yeah, we had lots of help. I got way better at time management. I used to think I needed like four or five hours in the studio. I got really good at two hours being really concise, just going in you realize what you're capable of. I think that's one of the things about being a parent. You also realize your limitations and those things can work really nicely together, actually. And you realize, well, what is really important? What do I really need to do to be happy? Um, and it was, for me, it was like really clear. I need to, I need to perform and I need to make dance theater and I need to be in the studio with wonderful people like Kate Franklin. Um, and also because my partner is my composer, we tour together. So we just are like family of, you know, vaudeville vagabonds, (laughs) Um, quite literally like, you know, Oh my God. Can I tell the story of, we were in this little theater and I think it was Kidanat. Yes. And Jasper was how old? 
He would have been just, maybe just three. And he yeah. struts into the green room and he's like, what's the Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like a little pro. Oh, wow. He was, yeah, he's been like in dressing rooms since he was eight months old, hanging out. Now he will, now he comes out for Q&A after a show with me. And will like correct me if I answer a question wrong. Um, he changes gels and stuff now. Goes up in the catwalk. Um, yeah, operates the hazer. So I mean, in in some ways, you know, it's just like another person in your crew. Things change, but they don't change too. Um, you you find ways to do things. Now is better. Now people are putting childcare in their grant proposal budgets. Mm-hmm. I always have a, a childcare stipend for dancers who are caregivers. Um, we do work in an industry where people are okay with. I, I have never been to a meeting or rehearsal where anybody was like really pissed that my baby was sleeping in the corner or I had to, you know, take a break to pump breast milk. It's never happened, you know. So, but I think it's really important to like keep asking and know that it's. It is absolutely possible. It really helps to have a partner. I, I have a good friend who's an actor who's doing it alone, but her mom is next door. So, mm-hmm. you know, it helps to have people. And dancers make amazing babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tara. That's great. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Anybody wants to talk about parenting and being in dance and theater, I will happily share okay uh next do you have anything to add to that kate franklin yeah my partner and i made a decision not to have children um a couple of years ago made the call and uh i think it's just something that i've known for a long time maybe even since i was a kid um and uh i think strangely when i was just earlier when i was talking about my career trajectory or, or the past uh, trying to get my career to work for me uh, how long it took I feel like uh that is a small part of it I, th- I think a I just kind of didn't ever want kids but I think a tiny part is that I just got my career to a place where I like it <laughs> <laughs> and I, w- I was just really selfishly reluctant to throw any change into it like a massive change, like a child, even though I know it would, I love, I actually love kids and I was a babysitter for so long. And, um, I still do take care of my friend's kids and I love, I love children. I think they're magical, special. I also, um, because I think I babysat for so long, I spent countless hours with children of all ages. Um, I think I am completely aware of how much work it is. So, um, I think some people, maybe they, they haven't hung out as much with small children. And so they have one and then they're like, Oh, got to deal with it. But it's like, boy, I put in some serious time with some serious young kids. And they're like, I, I actually, I think I, I think I know maybe more than other people who aren't parents, what parenting might actually feel like, like, like the amount of energy that it takes <laughs> for, young, for young children. But, you know, I know that I'm missing out on like a lot of love. Um, and I know that I'm, I'm missing out on a certain kind of adulthood and I, certain, certain kind of old age experience. And, um, uh, I, I do know that I am 
saying no to a lot of amazing things. So it's, it's like, it's, it's the right decision for me, but it, it is also difficult to, to know that I can't have everything. Thanks. But Kate. That's, yeah. That you can't have everything. You and can't. You're just, you're going to take a path and, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're, whether you have children or not, your capacity is going to get tested and yeah. you're going to figure out things that you looking back here and go, I can't believe I did that. I frankly cannot believe that I made Highgate in Jasper's first year and a half. Like that was like how I don't remember anything. Just like adrenaline. Pure adrenaline and just like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. But yeah. that's, that's the kind of person I am. Yeah. Too, so yeah. 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 And I don't, I don't think it is either kids or career. I, I don't think, I don't think that is a thing. I think no. when I say it, you can't have everything, I don't mean it that way. Like, I think you can have kids and a career. Um, mm. It's just like a certain, uh, there's just like a certain kind of um, demand on your attention, at least till they go to school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> then a pandemic will hit and you'll be homeschooling. <laughs> so get ready to figure out fractions. <laughs> It's just a whole, it's a whole other job and it's not to be trifled with. And it's like a decision to, I think, to be taken really, really seriously because it's legit another job. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's totally another job, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> not all the time. Okay. Um, let's do, let's do like, uh, let's, Jackie, hit us with another question. Okay. Um, I'm wondering how you guys manage having like multiple ideas or concepts uh, kind of that you want to explore at once, but not necessarily all the time to devote to each of them. And mm -hmm. how do you like keep those interests alive until you have time to work on them? Oh, that's a good question, Jackie. Hey, yeah. Frank, do you want to, do you want to field that one first? I think, um, I think that's when I rely on deadlines <laughs> mm. to help sort me out. So sometimes I have to create deadlines for myself. I think that's why I started producing shows. So there'd be a deadline for me to, <laughs> to work toward, or that's why I would apply for things, even though I was scared to like choreographically, I mean, um, because if I got them, there would be a deadline. Like I, I work so well with actual concrete deadlines. Um, so that helps me kind of prioritize my, all the ideas that are floating around, I think. I think that might be it. <laughs> I, think that's, like, yeah. I don't think that's the only thing that, that helps me determine which thing I should do first, which, what stuff I should be spending most of my time on is like the, is the, de the external deadline and pressure, whatever that might be. Yeah, that's, deadlines are really important. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree with that one. That deadlines really help me. And yeah, sometimes they're just self-imposed. I try to like some just like reserve little bits of time. I, and like I said before, I, I use a timer and I'm like, okay, this is an hour and I'm just going to like do research on this thing. Um, and just to be really specific, I also feel like there is a great value in having certain people to just like have a conversation about the thing or one of the things that you're thinking about for example, one of my next projects in the future has to do with gender and gender identity. So I have one really good collaborator friend and 
we have great conversations about that. And there's other people, uh, outside eyes working on other things. And I know, okay, I'm going to talk about the body project with, with, uh, with Kate or with Melanie. Um, so I find that just like kind of compartmentalizing my life. And this is a good one. I got this one, um, from a podcast that I listened to called happier with Gretchen Rubin. It's very like middle-aged kind of like white lady. <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure but they, they she had a guest on and the guest was talking about having seven rocks on her desk and each rock represented a project so she'd have a piece of paper with the name of the project underneath each rock and she said i can't manage more than seven seven is the max and when one would be done she'd like put another one under there and i just thought that's a really interesting and concrete Mm. way of thinking about like what you've kind of got on the burners like is there one that's underneath the really special rock because that's like oh that's coming up and that one has a deadline this one over here doesn't have a deadline but I know that I really want to just keep looking at that or thinking about that that thing Mm -hmm. that I'm interested in Mm -hmm. I I just thought that was pretty neat Mm -hmm. okay shall we do let's do maybe two more questions and then uh, wrap it up Who's got one? Hannah, do you have another one? Oh, of course I do. Um, I guess this could be a, sh- a short one, but just like out of curiosity, who or what are your obsessions right now? And that mm-hmm. could be for everyone, I think. Yeah, everybody should answer that one. That's good. Yeah. Sarah, what's your obsession? Oh right my now? gosh, I'm not ready. Okay, good. <laughs> Kate? The song Who's That Girl by Eve. Oh, Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine, RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um, modus operandi and all my students. My uh, really good group of friends. I'm always obsessed with them. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with like really good documentaries too. I saw one the other night called Crip Camp. It's produced by Michelle and Barack Obama, and it's like, just check it out. Obsessed. Obsessed. Wow, that's good. That's good. Sarah, you're nodding your head. I can, okay. I can tell you've got something. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm embarrassed about the first one because I feel like you're going to laugh at me, Tara, but I'm actually, I am obsessed with Sarah Doe. I like chose to get into it at the beginning of this. And like, you like, somebody. I want to get perfect at it. I'm very far from it. But I love, I, I love it. <laughs> and it's like my, my bread has not turned out that well, but I am on the road to a perfect sourdough loaf. Oh, I so, love it. You know, um, I've been reading again, which I thought I kind of thought I would never do, which is embarrassing <laughs> to say, but I've actually love reading again. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. It sounds really sad, but. No, I can relate to that. And I'm kind of just obsessed with my nieces and nephews. Nice. Like Zoom calling, like I had a Zoom call with my niece and I'm trying to find like new ways to hang out with them over Zoom because I, they don't really answer like questions. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't know how to have conversations <laughs> yet. Mm-hmm. But um, my one niece, she is like a, actually both my nieces are like really, they love performing. And so I was trying to practice accents with her because there's just no judgment from her side. And I'm really bad at accents. So we did like, we did Southern drawls for so long and it was so fun. We did it for like hours. 
That's amazing. So yeah, those are mine. <laughs> nice. Oh, those are really good. <laughs> love it. Jackie. Okay. I love video games. Um, that's kind of one of my, my things. Um, and this one came out recently. It's called Animal Crossing. Maybe some people have heard of it. And it's, yeah. it's cute. It's just like a little like island getaway where you just like build and decorate this like little island for yourself. And, mm. and at this point, it's like where I'm just like stuck at home most of the time. It's kind of like a, another little life, I guess. Mm. something to do and like a like a to-do list to check off so that's a lot of what I've been doing (laughs) nice um other stuff just some like ideas I've been having just inspired by like what I'm seeing is um because there's so much dance on film coming out and I've been filming my stuff my own dancing and I've been like experimenting with playing the video forwards and backwards and I've noticed like a lot of stuff looks really cool in reverse. And I'm like, hmm, how can I use that? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking about right now too, from an arts perspective, from an ideas perspective. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, should I go next? Yeah. Um, what am I obsessed with? Um, Hannah Gatsby. Oh, um, yeah. Watch Peyton Oswald, mostly female identifying comics, but yeah, stand up comedy. I oh, there's I feel like it's like this pure the purest form, in a way. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> um, can't can't get enough of that. For, recently watched The Office from the beginning. Mm. We started right at the beginning of the COVID crisis and. And then when it end, like when we got to the very end, I was like, oh no, we got to the end of the office and it's still fucking here. Um, <laughs> I tried to make sourdough and it was a huge <laughs> failure. So I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with, um, I'm making these dorky little Laura Lockdown videos. So I'm kind of obsessed with all the how to win the pandemic you know, I say it tongue in cheek, but there's a lot of those little videos and Instagram things out there and it just seems super ludicrous to me. So there's something I'm kind of obsessed with, you know, finding that stuff. We've started practicing Ashtanga yoga again. I used to be a teacher uh, before I retired from teaching Ashtanga yoga. Um, and so I found the practice again because it's so, it's the same every time. And I, I'm finding that really comforting. Um, badminton. We've, we've got this crappy badminton set and the three of us go to the park and we don't hit it a lot. Um, but that's... <laughs> love badminton. It's so, it is so fun. I love um, it. It's really rewarding. Like once you start hitting that little birdie and it's like you get a few volleys, you feel so, so successful. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. You just reminded me, I just tried spike ball a week ago. What's spike and ball? I'm a, and that I'm obsessed. so hard. I'm obsessed. Is what is it? It's... Yeah, there was. Is there still a pretty steep learning curve for me? There's like a, a trampoline, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I've seen those people. And then you just like. Yeah, they're they're a type of people, I think, and I want to be one of them now. <laughs> it's like a yellow ball, yellow. Yes. Mm, yeah, it's really fun. Nice. I am obsessed with that as well right now. Right on. <laughs> what about Hannah? We Hannah, didn't have... yeah. Oh, I weird like disco music recently. Oh yeah, nice. disco yeah. music. Anything anything specific? No, all of it. Anything-ish. 
Yeah, it was knitting, but then it was really warm and I felt weird about knitting. <laughs> Reading again, yeah. Uh, cooking, um, that kind of stuff. Nice. And I'll share projects from each of these artists that I've had on today. Hannah has a really fantastic short film I'll share in the show notes. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for doing this little Q&A with us. And yeah, if you're listening and you have questions about, you know, dance, theater, career, um, send them my way and I'll try and answer them or find somebody brilliant like Kate Franklin. I don't know <laughs> if anybody's as brilliant as Kate Franklin um, <laughs> to answer. People um, don't think I pay you, Tara. <laughs> Well, I'm waiting for the check, Kate. (laughs) No, I just, I'll share one thing about Kate. It was like my early experience with Kate. I knew her as a dancer and seen her dance and I needed to, for a tour, replace one of the dancers in in Highgate. And so I think we talked on the phone a couple of times. We did emails. I sent Kate the video thinking that she'll, you know, she might glance at it. Um, She comes to the first day of rehearsal, not only knowing her part, but pretty much knowing everybody's part. So, so, so you can see where it started. It's like, holy shit. I just didn't want to hold everybody back. I was going to be the new person, you know? You didn't hold us back. You just like set the bar higher. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I love having somebody in the room that sets the bar higher. Aww. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you all very much. It's been Thank you so, so much. much Thank you. Fun. Thank you guys. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that was useful. Maybe answered some of your questions. Maybe inspired a few new questions. And questions is the fuel for the practice, is it not? We're answering our questions through the medium of art. Thank you very much to Kate, Sarah, Hannah, and Jacqueline for sitting down with me and having such a fun, inspiring, and informative conversation Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne is a production of Tara Cheyenne Performance. Thank you so much to Mark Stewart Music for creating the music for this podcast, editing the podcast, producing the podcast, and generally being fabulous. And you can get in touch with us, info at tarashyan.com, Instagram, Tara Cheyenne TCP, Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance. Be safe, stay well, keep the mask on. For now, stay inside except for a nice walk. Go for a nice walk. You know how I feel about walking. Just walk, but at a nice safe distance. And just keep making shit up. It's the only way we're going to get through this. Be well. This podcast is effing good.